Thanks for joining us at the Simple Life Vibes podcast, the place where we share and celebrate amazing stories of people on a journey to live the simple life. In our words, the good life. Whether you live in the country, the city, or the burbs, we hope you walk away with inspiration to take the next step towards your own simple life. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have my dear friend, Catherine DeYoung, and Catherine and her husband, they they just amaze me. Like they do so many amazing things and attempt to DIY things that I would never even attempt to. And um, it's so great to watch. And it's so fun because we end up doing similar types of projects. And we have similar types of um, pieces of property and homesteads or whatever you want to call them. And so it's really great to have Catherine on today. Catherine, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you guys got out to your plot of land and kind of a little bit of what you guys are doing with that place. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, my background is I, uh, we moved to Colorado um, when I got a job at the local health department. I got a fellowship and we were, uh, we'd been living in the DC area for about three years and we're looking for a change um, and we were excited when I got placed in Colorado, um, and it was just a chance for a change. And, uh, I like to say I got over DC and Maryland almost immediately, (laughs) um, because it's so much freer here. There's so much more, um, natural beauty and it's just an exciting place. And it was really felt like we'd found our, found our, our life here is, um, how I would put it. Um, and after living in Castle Rock for two years, we moved out to where we live now in Parker on uh, five acres of land. Um, and I think of it as a sort of uh, poorly managed wildlife preserve. It's like an open space, but like even even less uh, managed. Um, and so there's tall grasses everywhere and it's more... It's at, in the evening, there's coyotes and there's deer and there's, it's just a place where we feel like we can, um, just let our property be what it wants to be. And, and we use some of it for our own purposes, but a lot of it is just to be a habitat. That's amazing. I love how you just described your property. That's, that's amazing. And you know, I was driving the other day and um, saw a ton of, a huge herd of antelope. And I immediately thought of, you know, where the deer and the antelope play. And that's literally your backyard. So that's amazing. Yeah. It's great. It's that's so cool. so great. So now you have kind of a side hobby that you've invited a lot of people into with these birds. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about... How did you get into building these nesting boxes and what are you like share what you built and how you're recording and filming these birds? Sure, yeah. Um so when we moved to our our house, we immediately put out uh started feeding the birds, um you know, putting out bird seed and suet 
and discovered that we were getting a lot more variety of birds here at our new house. Um, and so I bought a book about, um, like, I think it's called Birds of Colorado. Um, and uh, I was just paging through it and, um, like, picking out birds that looked awesome. And there was... <laughs> There was one that was called the American Kestrel, and I was like, that bird looks so cool. It's like the size of a robin, and it has this, this it has kind of a baby face, but it has this wicked curved beak. Um, and I was like, that's so cool. I, I, you know, here we are in this new place, and I wonder if we could um, attract these birds. to If we put up a nesting box, I wonder if we could get them. And it was like completely not, I didn't realize that they were all over the place and that it was like actually feasible. Um, and so it was just, it was kind of a happy coincidence that, um, that was the bird that I picked out and they are actually all over Colorado. Um, so I was looking into making a birdhouse and I talked to my parents about it. My dad does woodworking. I come from a D very DIY family. Okay. Uh, and so for Christmas, my dad gave me this birdhouse. He looked up the plans online. Um, and uh, something to know is that all different types of birds nest in all different types of houses. Um, and some are what's called cavity nesters. They, they nest in, um, you know, hollowed out trees. Okay. Um, and so um, my dad made me this birdhouse and we we're like, this is so cool. And then... Um, because somebody else had already done that work, we had to make, come up with some way to make it even more work. Um, and so we decided to put a hardwired webcam in this, in the roof of the birdhouse so that we could, um, watch them. Um, which of course involved digging a trench from our house to the barn so that we could run the wires, um, so that we could have hardwired, you know, that the Kestrels have, uh, Wi-Fi in there. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, not Wi-Fi, but hardwired internet. It's Ethernet wow. uh, in there in their box. Um, so that was three years ago, and it was it has just been such an exciting thing to get to do. Um, they uh, they moved in. Um, let's see. In the first year, we saw them. First, the first male kestrel checking out the box, I think maybe in February, um, and then, or March or so, and then, um, the way they, the way they operate, the way kestrels work, is that the male finds a place to live, okay. and then he, then he attracts a lady, and then they go house hunting together. He, he takes her around, and, like, she looks at all of the properties that he's picked out, <laughs> and then she chooses, and then then the deal is sealed, okay. um, and they're on for the next you know four months. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was it was just such a delight to get to watch them, um, and just to learn so much about birds and and really how astonishing biology is, like the process of of the egg laying and um, how all that happens is just so cool to watch. Wow. And these aren't just any birds. Like, you name them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, okay, so the kestrels are, they're the smallest falcon in North America. Like okay. I said, they're about the size of a robin. Okay. They eat, um, 
mice and lizards and snakes and grasshoppers. Um, the first year, we did a poll online about what their names should be. Okay. And we named them uh, Kessie and Trell. Nice. Uh, Kestrel. Um, and uh, the second year, we believe that it was the same couple that came back because they moved in right away. Um, they moved in like a month before they had moved in the previous year. So it was, it was like they they recognized the space. So we called them Kessie and Trell that year, too. Okay. Um, and then this year we, um, we had really liked the names, uh, Molly and Arthur from Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, and somebody reminded me, uh, uh, that, you know, it's time to name the birds and that her vote would be for Molly and Arthur. Um, we liked that because they're pretty cool parents and, um, they have, you know, a big brood or flock of children and, um, kestrels generally lay about four eggs, so it fits. That's so cool. that's that's what they are this year. <laughs> I wondered where the names came from when I saw you talking about them. So that's that's kind of fun. Yeah. Wow. And so you're naturally like just a bird lover, and so this was just a natural natural thing that made sense for you guys to do. Now the the hardwiring of the cameras is kind of a unique <laughs> thing. But it's super cool because I, you know, you sent out an email saying, you know, just, hey, the, they're hatching today. And, um, you know, so it was kind of a fun thing that people got to be able to experience as well. So I think that's really, really, yeah. really neat. Um, now, if you had any piece of advice for someone who wanted to, to do something similar, whether it's for kestrels or other birds in their area, like what piece of advice would you give to somebody? I think the very, very first piece of advice for people who are like, hey, maybe birds are cool. I wonder what birds are in this area. Um, you know, because that's kind of how you figure out what's practical. Um, like, we're probably not going to attract uh, ospreys to our area because they don't live around here. Okay. Um, but so the first advice is just look up. Um, there are birds all over the place. They're sitting on the power lines. They're, they're hanging out. They're doing stuff. And we don't just don't recognize that, you know, we're so focused on our own existence. I'm going to a place. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I've got my to-do list. Birds and all the other wildlife have their own to-do lists, too. And we live in the same planet, in the same space as them. And so just look up. Look for birds. Look for um, what's happening around you and be curious. You know, if you see a bird that you don't recognize, try and figure out what it is. Um, the other, that segues into there are tons and tons of online resources. Um, so uh, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology is like my favorite bird resource. Okay. Uh, they have bird cams. Um, they have an osprey cam, which is really the best reality TV drama that you could follow. <laughs> uh, it's so great. Um, and they also have on one of their other pages, they have a webpage called All About Birds. Okay. Um, and that one has um, birdhouse directions. Uh, so like I said, 
Uh, birds have different preferences about where they live, and so you can find out everything that you might want to know. Like, how tall of a pole do you need to put your birdhouse on? Do birds prefer that the birdhouse faces north? Is it okay if it's close to your house, or does it need to be far away from people? All of that stuff is, is they have all that information. Mm -hmm. um, and if you put up a birdhouse, this is the responsibility of putting up a birdhouse, is there are invasive birds, um, like starlings and sparrows. And so if you do put up a birdhouse, you want to take at least some responsibility for making sure that you're not giving a house uh, to these invasive birds. Because it's not just like, oh, they're around. They actually, these birds will actually kill other birds. Oh, wow. um, so starlings will go into a bluebird house and they will destroy the eggs and they will pluck, you know, claw out the eyes of the bluebirds. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. I mean, and they're just like, you just think they're birds, but they're like weeds. That's weeds like have to be... reality TV show that's yes. like all over cable right now. <laughs> yeah. So you do, you want to make sure that you're not giving a harbor to these, these invasive species because they really do real serious damage to other birds. Okay. So there's information online about how to take care of that um, and to do what you can. Um, and another good resource is the Audubon Birdhouse book. Okay. Um, this is, it is a book full of birdhouse designs. Um, I have this birdhouse. I can't, don't know if you can see it, but um, I have a birdhouse in my front yard that was like scientifically designed for making sure that you get the best success rates with your with your bluebirds. Okay. I didn't get bluebirds to move in, but I got, um, we have tree swallows, tree, okay. trees, yeah, um, living in it, and so that's pretty exciting. Um, so you can, you can just, you know, if you want, want to make a birdhouse, make sure you do it in a way that's, uh, it, it's made by people who've considered the science of what makes a good birdhouse. Um, some birdhouses are just kind of, you know, that they're shaped like a house, and they have, like, a roof and gutters and, like, a cute little front door, and that's not really a birdhouse. <laughs> that's not really what birds have on their checklists when they're house hunting. No. no. They, oh. It's, um, they need, they need really specific stuff, um, and that's all just kind of decorative. So, yeah, that would be my advice for people who want to get started. That's cool. That's cool. I, um, I can just imagine, like, all of these friends of mine that have little kids that something like watching some of these live feeds would be super interesting, including yours, um, that I think a lot of people probably don't even realize are out there. So thanks so much for sharing that. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, so just a little bit about you, because I know, um, part of what, you know, we're all trying to live this like more simple life and, you know, get back to nature and, you know, get back to kind of living in a very simple way. And a lot of times that means DIYing things. And a lot of times that becomes synonymous with crazy adventures, which I know <laughs> you guys have had a few. Um, do you have any fun adventures of you living out on your nature preserve uh, that would be fun to share? Um... Let's see. I have, uh, I can think of one. Okay. Um, so one related to, I mean, I can think of lots. I know, I know. One. I can remember a lot that 
bits and pieces of many of these crazy stories that you've told over the years. So yeah, yes. Um, so well, <laughs> one one related to the kestrels was the first year that we had them. Um, the female laid the first egg in the middle of a snowstorm, and we were like, okay, that's that's not great. Um, and she spent two solid days in the in the box, and she didn't leave, and the male didn't bring her any food. And we were like, oh crap. Oh no, this isn't good. And um, then uh, then she didn't lay any more eggs for like a week. And we were like, oh no, this isn't going well. And then she wasn't incubating the egg. The one egg that she had, she was like sitting beside it. We're like, we have a teen mom. She doesn't know what she's doing. This is terrible. And um, so I actually, there's a forum online um, uh, that's run by, I think it's the American Kestrel Partnership. Okay. And so I like logged into the forum and I was like, tell me what's happening. <laughs> and um, it was very great because they responded and they were very compassionate and they were like, okay, so here's a cool thing to know. Um, the Kestrels uh, and other birds, I didn't know this, but other birds will... Um, they lay their eggs, um, and they lay them over the course of several, several days. And because of the snowstorm, she'd probably reabsorbed the eggs that she had. So okay. she had to like start making new ones or something. I don't really know. Um, and so they said that because it's important for all of the eggs to hatch around the same time, because if you have a really big age difference between, um, oh. between them, the, the larger ones will pick on the smaller ones. And so what they do, and this is so amazing to me, is that the kestrels are actually able to hit pause on the development of the eggs. And so they lay the eggs, and they don't start incubating until the last egg is laid. Wow. And, and that doing that syncs up their hatch time. And so it wasn't like there was going to be, like, one egg was, like, a week older than all the rest of them. And so it was just amazing that, that you know, nature provides this, this way for um, them to, one, how does the kestrel know that she's done laying eggs? You're like, okay, that feels like, I feel like I'm done. Um, that's just a crazy idea to me. Um, and then also just how amazing that in birds, they're able to pause the development of, of that life without harming it yeah which is just so incredible to me like that was just really such a fun thing to to get to experience um and now every year i'm like oh this is gonna happen that's so cool <laughs> now you know that's amazing now i know yeah that is amazing wow um yeah. okay so a little bit about just getting to know you a little bit um is there do you have a favorite book that um that you kind of I mean, if you could pick just one or a favorite podcast that you like to listen to, um, to keep you inspired in life or in kind of pursuing this kind of off the beaten trail kind of life. That's a great question. Um, I, right now I use, I use, uh, Pinterest a lot, um, to, uh, get inspired and get answers to quick questions. Um, we have, 
My in-laws have chickens, and that's a new adventure for us, is, is um, figuring out, like, what is the best way for, for to have chickens and to take care of them. So I've been using Pinterest a lot to just, like, you know, tons and tons of different blogs, and um, there are, you know, people who have whole websites devoted to, like, taking care of chickens. Oh, I know. Um, so that's, that's very fun. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So before we wrap up here, um, I always like to do lightning round questions, just kind of some fun, quick questions just to end the, end the, end the time and, and get to know you a little bit more. So, um, real quick, if you could try out any job for one week, what job would you choose to try out? I, um, there are lots of jobs that I would probably like to try out, but (laughs) I think it would be very fun to be a taxidermist. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so that's, um, I don't know, I feel like it's, it is, when done right, it's, it's kind of an interesting way of preserving and showing respect for and celebrating, um, like, like how amazing nature is. Yeah. Um, and there's probably people who would disagree about that, but I think that it's so interesting because that's a way that we get to, you know, be up close to animals and see them and look at their intricacies that, you know, I, I'm never going to get to see a mountain lion up close. What? Um, really? <laughs> and nor do I ever hope to. But, you know, with taxidermy, you actually get to, you know, be part of celebrating an animal, allowing people to get close to them and see them and, and be in awe of nature. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Nice. That's one that I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, but I think <laughs> the rationale behind it makes a lot of sense because it is interesting when you start to pay attention to animals, like even just what you're saying about, you know, the kestrels laying eggs and letting them just kind of sit there and wait uh, until they're ready to get incubated. I mean, it's amazing to see just to kind of the – subtle rhythms that animals have that usually we're moving too fast to even think about or pay attention to. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Last question. Um, what is one of your favorite quotes? Do you have one? One of of my favorite quotes, um, and I use it a lot and I, am not very good at living it by it, but, um, (laughs) the quote is you can do almost everything, but you you can do almost anything, but you can't do everything. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, like, uh, my husband and I both like to have very big, ambitious ideas. And the uh, the process of gathering information and thinking about all the possibilities is, like, so fun. Yeah. But um, you really, it's true. We can do almost anything. But, like, we can't commit to everything. Yeah. Well, that's very similar to a quote that I have on my desk that says, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So I think it's along that same vein. And I think yeah. when you when you move out to, to property or even if you're just, you love projects, like there's never an end to the amounts of things that you could be doing or creating or learning. And yeah, sometimes you have to know when you hit your limits. So right. that's an amazing quote. Thanks so much for sharing that. <laughs> Um, well, Catherine, thanks so much for joining us on the Simple Life Vibes podcast, and um, we will make sure to drop all of the links for your cam as well as some of the other links for resources that you shared in the show notes. So thanks so Great. much. Thank you.